and wait and wait and baby I'm TFC till I die. Welcome back to the Toronto Till I Die show, your Toronto FC podcast, your favorite podcast. I'm Michael Singh, filling in at the hosting duties today for Mikey Newell. I'm joined, as always, by Jeff. Well, not as always. (laughs) 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 But it's like the OG days, though, you know? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Just going at it. Well, one of us had to go down with cold. I mean, we were all at the game. Some of us were in cushy little press boxes where I imagine they had a, a heater for you. But uh, we were we were in the front lines. We were we were in the in the in the, the thick of it. And uh, yeah, it looks like one of us went down. Uh, so uh, yeah, well, Mikey Newell, wish you uh, wish you well. Hope you're feeling better. We do need to talk about the game itself, but before we do that, let's talk about the mm. environment. You're going back to BMO Field first time in a couple of months. It's freezing cold day before the game. Obviously, we got a huge dump of snow. Shout out mm-hmm. to the Grands crew, by the way. The pitch looked way better than it did a year ago. Mo mm-hmm. might not have agreed with that, <laughs> but definitely a better job. Yeah, <laughs> overall, that was my favorite part of the whole game. Did you see the look on his face when he made that that slip? He just like... He knew, he just knew it was, it was awful and just like put his head down. It was very, you very take fun. the L whenever that happens, you're a footballer, you yeah. slip up like that. You, what can you do? You take the L, you laugh yeah. it off, shrug it off. Um, but Jeff, yeah. How was, how was attending your Toronto FC game? It was, uh, it was a bit of a, it was a, it was a bit of a, uh, weirdness. I mean, you know, I don't think the, the gates were as bad as that one year where they, where they hired entirely new security staff. And oh certainly God, a little yeah. bit, a little bit of it is my fault because I didn't get there as early as I'd like to get for, for various reasons being it, it's cold and my wife doesn't like being outside in the cold, but uh, um, yeah, it was, it was a slog. I mean, walking up to BMO, we saw gate one and it looked, I mean, it, it, it looked like just a massive limbs. And so I, I, you know, making the roundabout to gate three, I was like, I hope it's better there. Uh, uh, spoiler alert. It wasn't. <laughs> Um, and it was, it was pure chaos. I mean, there were, there were like no lines whatsoever. Um, and you know, the line moved well, but there's nothing worse than going to the home opener and like seeing the fireworks and people talking about the drone show and you're stuck outside, like waiting for somebody to figure out that they've got to empty their pockets, like everybody else ahead of them in the line. So, uh, yeah, I mean that, and it was packed. I was not expecting it to be that busy. It was packed. Um, you know, people, people have responded to my tweets, you know, well, it didn't look that packed on TV. You know, people were freezing to death. There were a lot of people trying to stay warm at any given time. You know, lots of people left early, myself included. Once again, wife, uh, it's my date anniversary weekend. So I kind of had to, when she Just said, jump, I had everything to say, on her how right? high, um, <laughs> well, she doesn't, she's not a regular listener and she's not here in the background right now. So I can just, <laughs> I can just go hog wild. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what, what's the official 25,796 fans? And I can tell you, it felt like that. The concourses at halftime, they haven't been that rammed in a long, long, long time. Um, yeah, you know, just I don't know. Basic, I have yeah. maybe like you, you obviously, I the south end was packed. South end yeah. was absolutely, I'm mean, assuming that's where your, your tickets were, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I think like along the sides and obviously the, the north end, the north end was almost empty. Um, mm. 
the middle was a little sparse, but like busier than I expected. Yeah, I, I think you just have, have to a- account for nobody was in their seats at the same time. Like they were, they were like going in shifts to the mm-hmm. to warm up in the concourse kind of thing. And then people yeah. left early, but certainly uh, I was surprised by how busy it was. Um, yes, yeah, definitely. I will. Yeah, I will agree with you that I was surprised mm-hmm. by how busy it was. The number seems a little skewed. Maybe that's ticket sales. Because I have a hard Maybe. time believing in what their capacity is about 28,000, yeah, 29,000. Yeah. Like I have a hard time believing that was a full 26,000 fans. Yeah, that there, there were a lot of things working against it. All the stuff that I mentioned. And you're probably right. I mean, people at the last minute were no shows, et cetera, et cetera. And I guarantee you that that was... Uh, was ticket sales as opposed to the gate because judging by the crowds there, I don't think they had the capacity to do the clicker thing to count how many actual people came in because they were too busy just getting people in. So, so yeah, but I mean, regardless, regardless of the actual number, um, and this is busier than we expected, way busier than I expected. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a, 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 you know, I was impressed. I was actually kind of impressed because I didn't know what the vibe was going to be. You know, and I, and I think I said it on Twitter, I, you know, it just goes to show none of us really know what we're talking about. It, like TFC is an institution. It's been around long enough that there is some like it, it's able to maintain a certain amount of inertia of its own volition. And we see we you know, we see examples of this. Right. Like there were there were lots of people at that game. And, and, and I, you know, being plugged so into the zeitgeist of everybody's displeasure with the team and, you know, the houses, everything's on fire and burn it all down. I expect there to be 15 people there. So it was, it was a, it was a nice surprise, you know? Well, that, yeah, that's the thing. Like I, I mentioned this, I think in our podcast last week, I say mm. this all the time where we're, we operate in a little bit of a bubble here 100%. Uh, in our sphere, right? Whereas Toronto FC, they attract fans, far left, right, and center that aren't necessarily just diehard TFC fans. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, the vibes were great leading up to kickoff. It was felt nice to get back to the stadium, get back to the press box, which it was, you know, I got to say, it wasn't like the fans outside. You guys Mm -hmm. outside are absolute troopers, but (laughs) we're front row right by the glass. Man, right, by, right. by the 75th minute, it was it was cold. So I couldn't imagine what you guys <laughs> I couldn't imagine yeah. what you guys were going through out there, right? Yeah, it was um, it was chilly. But yeah, I mentioned the vibes leading up to kickoff were really great, but a little bit of a damper before kickoff, Jeff, where we got the lineup news and Lorenzo Insigne, surprise, surprise, is not featured in the squad. Mm-hmm. What was your reaction to that when you heard that Insigne wasn't featured in the squad and were you surprised at all? I didn't expect him to feature in the squad. The language was, was, was vague. Um, I may be, I may be changing the order of battle, but I'm, I, was it you that tweeted out or one of our, one of our friends, you know, they've been pretty vague about his injury, calling it a soft tissue injury. When did they actually come clean that it's a groin injury? Was it prior to kickoff? Okay. That's why I thought maybe I'm, I'm messing up the time. But despite the fact that we didn't know that it was a groin injury, and obviously that that's a lot more serious than the you know soft tissue injury, I just I found the language around his you know he's training, but he's still feeling stuff. Do we want to risk it? Uh, that to me just communicated outright that he wasn't going to going to suit up or even be on the bench. So no, I wasn't too surprised. What I was surprised about is that you called DeAndre Kerr at the number nine <laughs> position. I can't believe that. I was in utter, utter abject disbelief because it just seemed so weird. But uh, kudos to you, man. You absolutely called it. And kudos to him. What a performance. 
Yeah, I mean, I th- I tweeted this out. I thought that he was the best number nine that we've seen so far from Toronto FC this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, the bar wasn't really very high, um, but I thought his performance overall, especially when you think about what goes okay, what goes into being a good striker. A, yep. you have the goal, right? You ought to, you have a head start on everybody else. But for this team in particular, like I thought his sharpness on the ball, like when he mm-hmm. got the ball in very difficult areas in the pitch where there's pressure on him, center backs, yep. big, heavy center backs are leaning on him, his ability to have the composure and find the right passes. I thought that was, that was really, um, really nice to see. And like I said, I think that was l- refreshing considering our other two strikers right now, Diamande and Iowa Canola, they struggle to to keep possession and keep the ball at times. So DeAndre Kerr, I thought, did a really good job of doing Unbelievable. that. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And then also his ability to run in behind. And I thought his yep. legs were a lot. Obviously, they're a lot quicker than both Akinola's and Diamande's. It just brought a little bit different of a look, a little bit of different of a profile up top at number nine, which I thought worked better um, with this group of Toronto FC players. So I loved his performance. He only got 60 minutes because... As you can recall, he missed preseason with yeah, dealing with the non-COVID. non-COVID. Yeah, 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 exactly. So he he mm-hmm. missed preseason there, and then uh, managed to you know get sixty minutes to try to build them up. But I have to imagine, even if Io Akinola is healthy for next game, which it sounds like he will be, I think DeAndre Kerr should still start over Akinola right now. I think he's earned. I think he's earned the start. Um, you know, uh, in your and I, I agree with everything you said. The other thing I noticed was how comfortable he is with his back to goal which is what we were kind of expecting Adama Diomande uh, to, to come in and do. And it yeah. has to be said, you know, this guy has played as a number nine before. It's not his preferred position, um, but he did better in his first kick at the can than two proper number nines that there is. I mean, that that goal was amazing. Sure, the Oso pass was beautiful, but that little dummy he did, and then he negged the guy to get, to get it on his... Yeah, clean. it was unbelievable. It was and so the finish, clean. I mean, too. Yeah, the finish was unbelievable. The close control was was fantastic. Um, he's got it looks obviously tiny, tiny little sample size, but he looks to have the facilities to kind of do what's being what's required of a striker in this in this system to do. And again, that's also kind of unfair to say because they weren't really playing the four three three as far as I as far as I could tell. It was more of a four two three one or a four three two one or whatever the hell it is. Um, but uh, <laughs> but it didn't look like the like the standard to me. So. It was he was he was quite he was quite impressive out there. Obviously, I you know I was long gone by the time my Victor Vasquez got his first start of the of the new of his next tenure, and uh, I didn't buy a shirt because I wanted to make sure he was actually going to play before I got his name <laughs> on a jersey. So now it's all over. Next week, I can I can go to the store with confidence. Um, you know, if you're walking you know, a Victor Vasquez jersey, like you're an OG, like a new Victor Vasquez jersey, you're a new, you're an OG TFC fan. I'm really upset he's not seven again. That he's that he's eight. So there's like a line of demarcation between phase one and phase two. That being said, JMR's got the seven. You know, Victor's a team player. Let him let him take the eight. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. I mean, what 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 can really be said? I mean, I I read your round what other positives? On, what are, what other I, positives do you have? Fede is a magician. Uh, you know, I think we saw yet more examples that our center back pairing is, is figuring it out. Um, and they're getting more comfortable back there. Uh, Richie's amazing as always. 
uh, Petretta, you know, hopefully he's he's not down. For I thought too he long. was really he's, good. He was really that really been good. His best game of the season. Um, there was there was some steadiness there. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, you ask me for positives. I I thought uh, Oso. I thought Oso found some really nice spots on occasion. Okay. Um, you know, I think that's about it. Uh, with respect to because we already talked about DeAndre Kerr. DeAndre um, Kerr was definitely the storyline. I thought Brandon Servania as well. Yeah, that's really another one. good shift. He did. I, he did. I really it, like yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I, that's all fair. I mean, you know. I read your write up on on MLS.com. I, I've listened to some of the uh, the other pundits, you know, talk about what was going on in the game, uh, and I agree. You know, what what else is left to be said? It's another tale of two halves, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, and and it, it's a it's a bad trend. Um, before yeah. it goes, it disappears into the glut of old comments. Uh, Axis is asking, anybody else get the first 15 minutes or so yes. of broadcast in French? <laughs> Everybody did. Everybody did. It was it was fantastic. Uh, this stuff happens, man. I mean, the the you know, it's in its infancy. There's a there's a lot of moving parts, um, and you know, it, it is what it is. I, I I'd rather have different audio channels than the game clock the game kickoff schedule what was the atlanta game scheduled for and when did the actual kickoff happen because i think it was about a 40 minute break in between where i was watching uh the apple tv no commercial feed just waiting for the actual kickoff to happen um that's a that's an issue i'd like to see ironed out in terms of quick kickoff times and like posted kickoff times and actual start that's times, yeah that's that's, that's a, like a that's a north american thing definitely because you mm-hmm. think about hockey you think about basketball you think about baseball all those sports start not at like seven they start at like seven yeah. seven or seven eleven i think that's the way that soccer in here is going you used to go to tfc games and they're kicking off at 7 30 if you're if you're not in the yeah seats, yeah i remember that yeah you're missing yeah. kickoff but that's just the new age of of sports, I think some people will uh, will adjust to that as as sort of the season wears on here. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, let's we we went over some of the brief positives. I also thought like overall, when you look at this game as a whole, I thought it might have been TFC's best overall performance of the season. I know they had a really hmm. good second half against DC United, aside from the last like yeah. eight minutes, but they were, weren't very good against Atlanta. So mm-hmm. you know, the bar's really low, but I thought yeah, they actually the had the really, best overall performance. That, that's an interesting perspective. I mean, ha- having been there uh, and watching it, you know, without the, the bird's eye TV view, it seemed very disjointed to me. I know the first half was a lot better than the second half, but even even the even the first half to me, it just it seemed like, you know, it didn't feel like Charlotte for, for, for some reason. I forgot first 15 minutes. Soccer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first, yeah I think the first 15, yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's a concern as well. Um, but almost like a mini Charlotte, like I still don't feel that these guys know their rotations and sometimes they get lost out there, you know, trying to figure out where they're supposed to be versus what their natural inclination is to do. And I'm still seeing too much of that. So, well, I, I agree with you. It probably was their best performance uh, from a very, very small and very low bar, but <laughs> But I still see I still see so much to be concerned about, um, you know. Not the uh, cer- certainly these this tale of two halves, and then add compounding the fact that we that we're slow starters means that we're really only in a game for about 30, 35 minutes. You know yeah. what I mean? And 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 that's that's not good. That that ain't oh, good. 
I want to break with Grace Kong because I actually I agree with this too. This was another mm-hmm. positive. It was good to see Sigurd Rose said not diving into making tackles, um, stayed on his feet and was so much better in his third match. He and Hedges look like they'll be a very good pair. I agree. I thought Matt Hedges mm-hmm. was also I think he's been fantastic to be honest since he's joined. He got Jason. a yellow card. I, How many has he gotten? Are we gonna ooh, break our over exactly. under yet? I believe that I believe yeah. that's his first, but Okay. I I do love the the pairing there between Hedges and, and Rosted. I I really like Matt Hedges. I thought throughout the first three games, he's been such a rock at the back mm-hmm. there for TFC. Um, yeah, against DC, you know, there's there was an instance or two that he might have wanted back, but he seems like he's a guy who's in the right place at the right time. He seems like a safety blanket behind a guy like Rosted when he does get caught. I think he's very responsible, very steady, very reliable. And I had concerns about him coming into the season. And through the first three games, all of those concerns for me have been alleviated. I think this Amazing. guy is as advertised, and he is a really, really steady defender back there. And I thought Rosted had his best, ma- best match of the season as well, Gray. I do agree with you. Um, I thought he looked a, very, a lot calmer on the ball than he did agreed. in his first two games. Um, yeah, so that part was nice to see. But let's um, let's get into some of the negatives here. Mm-hmm. We'll, try, we'll try not to go too too hard. Yeah, because um, it is yeah. it is still game three, but we need to talk about Federico Bernardeschi's post game comments. Mm. Now, if you haven't seen them yet by now, I'm going to paraphrase and just recap essentially what Bernardeschi was saying post game was that the start to the season is not good for his mentality. The fact that TFC have played three games and they haven't won yet, and then he went on to say that the team needs to play more football. They need to stop playing long balls. They need to connect shorter passes and that they need to be essentially more together. He doesn't like the football that the team's playing. Just your thoughts on Bernadeschi's post-game comments, because you don't really see that from a lot of players in the media nowadays. I'm curious what your thoughts are before I say mine. And and I'll, I'll preface it with this. Was that a dig at Bob Bradley's system? Or was it just a dig at the smash and grab? Like, was was he inside baseballing us? You know what I mean? Like, was yeah. he subtweeting Bob Bradley and the whole staff? Or was, and again, let's let's open up the margins for something's lost in translation, right? Yeah, I don't sure. think he necessarily used mentality in a way that we would use it. I think he used like a dictionary tra- definition of mentality and we just ran with it. Um, but to me, the most interesting part is what I said. Is he... Is he talking about what he's seeing on the pitch, or is he inside baseballing the whole the whole organization? And that that to me is the real the real thing there. I, th- I think he's I think he was talking about what he's seeing on the pitch through the first three games of this season, and that not, doesn't have to go necessarily go against Bob Bradley's system because Bob Bradley's system is to do exactly what Federico Bernadeschi said. Bob Bradley is cool. a guy who wants to play with the ball. He wants play football he wants to be in possession and he Mm -hmm. wants his teams to control and dominate games so it wasn't a dig at the system per se at the end of the day you're the manager and you're going to be taking some of these blows where if your player comes out and says we have to take play better football that that does fall on you to some regard that being said Mm -hmm. i think more of it was directed towards his teammates who he has high expectations Bernadeschi does this year, mm-hmm. right? And we know where he comes from. We know yep. he's a perennial winner with Juventus, and we know that he came to Major League Soccer not to finish in 13th place in back-to-back seasons. That's not his objective here. And when you look at the talent around him on the pitch, 
he's seen better out of each one of those players, mm-hmm. um, especially in midfield. I think that's where the big disconnect right now is between Bernadeschi and, and his teammates. Um, so for me, that was what I read into it, but more so people, he is frustrated. I don't think mm-hmm. that there's much debate about the frustration is starting to creep in with Bernadeschi, but you can look at this one of two ways. The first way is Bernadeschi's frustrated. Oh, I want to leave Toronto. Mm, right. That's, I, think I, that's, think that's, I think that's, I think, yeah, I think that's, that's overthinking people, it, but yeah. People yeah. would probably immediately jump to that conclusion because he is a mm. guy who came from Juventus was sold on something here in Toronto FC and it hasn't TFC haven't, you know, agreed to that part, that part of the sure. deal. But the second part of it is it's a guy that cares mm-hmm. and it's a guy that, you know, does, isn't here to just collect a paycheck. And that's the sure. way that I sort of perceive it is that his 100%. comments were coming from a place where he wants the club Toronto FC to do better. And that's, that's sort of my interpretation. What are your thoughts? I always, I always have a problem and this is, this, this is, doesn't, this isn't specific to soccer, but of course, someone is going to sell you the rosiest outlook, you know, with the, you know, let's, let's do this movie. Let's make this record We're you know, we're going to be at con sort of thing. That's standard. Nobody, nobody says, Hey, you want to, you want to come to my crappy house party? No, it's going to be the, the best party of the year. Right. So, so it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of a nothing burger when a player frustrated after a game says we have to play better. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But since we're discussing it and since you're clearly saying that you don't think that he was inside baseballing Bob Bradley and the staff, I have to wonder if he's inside baseballing his teammates, right? Without, without saying names, without naming names, you know, Definitely. is he calling out, you know, the, the midfield, Let, let's just call a spade a spade without, without naming names. And then you have to wonder what does it do in the locker room? Will it have the desired effect? I mean, obviously, you know, and, and again, we're, we're supposing so much here, right? We're writing a, a whole narrative that is probably entirely in our own head, but like, you know, <sighs> no, Jeff, like <clears throat> he's saying specifically, no, we have to stop playing long balls. We need to keep the ball on the ground. Right. Yeah. He's not playing long balls. Yeah. So who's he who's he talking about? Right? You're looking at specific people within that team, whether it's, you know, the collective, the 10 people who are on the field right there. Mm-hmm. He's saying we, we need to be better because you're right. I, I think he, as an individual, has had a fantastic season so far this year. Mm-hmm. Right? The first two games he put himself, he put us on his back. 100%. But the team hasn't hasn't helped him out too much this season. And I think yeah. again that's that's where the frustration is coming from. I just I'm worried because you know these public displays tend to create division. They tend to sow division more than they sow togetherness. Do you know what I mean? Uh and and, the, and certain that's an issue. Yeah. And 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 I don't want the inmates running the asylum. Um, I don't think that this is Federico Bernadeschi coming out to Toronto saying, um, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. But I do think that there's calculus going on saying, you know, what's my exit strategy? And some of that, you know, this this mea culpa to the fans so that, you know, there's no mud on my hands, but look o- over there kind of thing. 
that must play into some of it. So yeah, yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Winning changes everything. Um, so I, you know, I have to hang my hat on that. Definitely. Um, but, but, you know, six losses in the last eight going, what, what, what was the, what was the sun article that pissed everybody off today where, where they made the, the head, the, tw- the tweet headline was something like TFC haven't won in half a year. Well, most of that was off season. Like there's no context in that statement. So I just, I, you know, I do think people have to relax. Um, it's not good. It's not great. There's a lot of noise out there. Um, you know, and in our bubble, we're getting hit by all sides. Like the American fans are, are dunking on us. The other Canadian fans are dunking on us. It's not a fun place to be <laughs> in TFC land right now, but I do think we need to relax uh, a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. And that this, this is sort of why I wanted to bring up Mike's point. Uh, Mike mm. Newell, shout out. Chime oh, in Mike from Newell. The oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His comment here, he says two points in the last 24 available. Six losses in the last eight, going back to last year. No sugar coning. It's poor and needs changing fast. Yep. So, I take I take issue with this. Mm. Looking at it from that perspective, because we know what last season was, and we know what last season was down the stretch. <laughs> so, when we're looking at this, and you know, after final whistle, you hear some scattered booze going around. It's it's three games into a season where the expectations have been raised and they so haven't high. yet lived up to those expectations. I get that. But last year was not this season. Mm. They do, in a way, need to be looked at as separate entities. Mm. And I understand why it's difficult to do that. So difficult. As we've said so many times on this show, it really doesn't feel like last season ended it feels like that's just carried over so far into the start of this year anywhere you look any any place you scratch there's a reason to start panicking right the gold cup's coming up we know already that this season is front loaded so early success is is indicative of later results um you know, like listen i don't have enough fingers to count all the all the pain points that are going on right now it it you know no one is happy um but I agree with you. I, I think a certain measure of relaxation needs to take place. And then there's the part of me that knows that, you know, we go on a win streak and this all goes away. All of this bad, you know, festering goes away and it, and it starts to be about, about something else. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's making excuses. It's, it's, it's bad. It's not good. Um, you know, one uh, of the, one of the most common things you see now when you open social media when it mm. comes, you're talking about Toronto FC is talking about Bob Bradley and mm. how he needs to go. Where are you on that standpoint? Like how how far along that are you? Are you like I'm getting if you're worried. putting this number one to ten? How safe is Bob Bradley? I'm at a five. I'm 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 getting worried. I don't want to be saddled with a team built for a gaffer that didn't work out. And, you know, there's these there's these contrasting calls about, you know, Bob, we need to sign more players for Bob to make it work. That logic is starting to become faulty to me, because when do we cut when do we cut the purse strings? I mean, it's pretty obvious that the board of MLSE has kind of made that decision already. Um, And then the question has to be asked, like, if you if you if you can only succeed with a level of roster that's far and above the rest of MLS and that's the only way it's going to work 
do we, did we need you in the first place? You know what I mean? And I don't want to be asking these questions. Something has to change. I need, I need to see this system and, and this administration, you know, this, this front office come good on, on some of the, on some of the hype here. And, and I don't think that's a, that's an unnecessary or an unfair expectation. Um, I, I I think I need to. uh, Yeah. So heading into the season, like my cause Mm. for concern from that would be like at a one out of 10. Mm -hmm. Now it's at like a two and a half out of 10. (laughs) So it has risen slightly, but it's Bill Manning's essentially he's married to Bob Bradley here when it comes Mm to sort of his potentially his future here, right? He's gone through a couple coaches. Now it hasn't worked. Bob was his guy. Bob's come in and, 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 you know, I know it's cliche, but he has reset the culture Absolutely. Here in Toronto. Now, has that culture always been perfect under Bob Bradley? No, not by any means. But he definitely comes in and he sets a demand. He sets a tone. He's brought in now guys who understand what it takes to to be a professional soccer player in Toronto and Mm -hmm. just a professional soccer player in general. So that part, that part's nice that he's done that. But at a certain point, it's got to start translating into results. Exactly what I'm saying. He has a long leash because of all the things I, I mentioned there. He also, I mean, let's not sugarcoat it. His son is Michael Bradley, the yep, probably yep. the most important player to Toronto FC's franchise. Um, when you consider everything else that goes on behind the scenes, one hundred percent, his leash is is long, and he's going to get the entire season. Now, if we're back here and we're talking about Toronto FC in thirteenth place at the end of the year then I think that conversation really, really heats up to the point where maybe it affects someone, people beyond just Bob Brown. Like the heat, like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Expectations are raised. Let's, let's Mm -hmm. face it. And MLSC is investing a ton of money into two superstars. You got to find a way to, to get this right. And let's, let's, it's three games. Like, I know, I know we're talking about in like such negative connotation. And if, had TFC just held on to that lead against DC United, we're talking about it's a TFC team story. that's unbeaten yeah. through their first three games yep. of the yep. season, right? It's so easy it's just, how quickly the the pendulum shifts. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, really mar- is. Yeah, and the margins are really, really slim there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not there quite yet, but it is the most common recurring thing you see on social media, which obviously sometimes is just ridiculous. This is, this is a wacky season. I mean, St. Louis is is St. Louis city because you have to scream the last part because all caps, uh, you know, they're, they're killing it. Uh, Mm -hmm. it, You know, it's, it's, it, it, it's a, it's a strange, strange season already, but it's, it's difficult to tune out the noise. And I think that's, that's why everybody's so frustrated because everywhere you turn, there's more pain points. Um, and there doesn't seem to be aside from winning, you know, which is just a simple equation, like win, win a game. And, 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 you know, that that's going forward. That's really all I can offer. Like we all know the, we all know the problems, you know what I mean? We all know what needs to be addressed. We all know who's underperforming, who's overperforming. We all know that this has been endemic for a while. I mean, we've said it. How many times have we said it that this feels like a continuation? We're all disappointed by by certain performances. We're disappointed by lack of subs. You know, nature abhors a vacuum, and and this is something that I've noticed over the three weeks of this season is that everybody thinks they can do it better now because it it really is 
the end, it's getting close to the inmates running the asylum, right? And 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 fan faith in, in Bob Bradley has never been lower. I think I can say that with with the with one hundred percent certainty. So TFC needs to get on track. You know, it, it's 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 important. Let's play a game then. So concerned mm-hmm. or not concerned, um, TFC's trend of blowing leads. Massively concerned. Massively concerned. TFC's slow starts, massively concerned. Soft tissue injuries happening to everybody <laughs> that walks by the training ground or takes a breath of the air around there is a major concern. Um, did I say lack of substitutions? Did I mention Mark Anthony K is 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 a disaster out there? Um, Oso looks, looks I opened a, up a casket, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, like I said, the pain points are everywhere. We, we need point, but then top of the, the standings is seven points to R2. We're not talking about getting blown out at this early stage yet. Like it's, it's all relative, but you know, it's, it's not great. Like, you know, we, we, we didn't know who's our starting striker and now we're starting, <laughs> anybody that that can lace up to to you know and, and again that's not to undersell what deandre did but you know it's it's we knew it would be a concern open. coming into coming into the season mm-hmm. um so yeah just going back to to the blowing leagues they became the first team in major league soccer history to take a lead in each of their first three games and lose each one of those games so that's not something you you want to be mm-hmm. affiliated with it's just no like those stats it's it's each game was so different yeah each game was so different so while yeah we can draw the conclusion that it's a trend you also have to kind of look at those things individually and it's easy for a fan base and for us in the media to label that as a narrative Mm -hmm. but it's 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 not always that simple there's a lot of things that go into that yeah i wonder like if you're a coach like how do you work on on that part of the game can you I mean, or does I'm that fall on the su- players? It's you know, if you're asking first, me what I would do, yeah, you know, it would be more of the same, right? Because I don't, I you know, I want Bob to be comfortable coaching the team in the way that he wants to coach the team. I want the players to be comfortable in the way he wants to coach them. So for me, as much as pragmatism will get wins, and I'm almost on the side of like you know what, Let, let's just park the bus and, and, and eke out a, a, a three points versus freezing cold into Miami who just lost their captain ostensibly for the whole season, you know, just pound them with a, with a gritty little win just to get the three points. If you're asking me what my principle would be, it would be to consistently keep, ha- like you said it yourself, it's not the same season. We're not trying to teach our academy kids this system. We're bringing in people that are much more experienced, that have played in these roles before, you know, so to me, it's about just hammering those points home and training over and over again until it becomes muscle memory. But, uh, you know, I'm not a soccer coach that you did ask me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, it's, it's really interesting. I don't know how a coach goes about coaching a team to to stop giving up leads in various different points of the game, like what mm-hmm. Columbus scored in the 60 something minutes 70 something minute out of a play yeah. so random that you can't really get- i think a lot of them switched off they were looking for an offside call so you know it, yeah it's just it was a really tight things. call yeah. to be fair yeah, yeah um yeah okay so uh, i think enough let's put columbus in the rear view 
right? Mm, mm-hmm. Enough rambling on about the Reds and their performance. I thought Victor opener. looked great. I thought he looked fantastic for the for the 20 minutes that he was on. I, I mean, he brought a totally different vibe to the field. And honestly, I couldn't see it through the tears in my eyes. So he looked fantastic <laughs> while I was it, crying it was, with joy. But yeah, it was, it was a tough place for him to come into at that point mm-hmm. in the game and uh, being asked to do some of the things he was being asked to do. I don't think that's the best way to use Victor. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really nice to see the ovation that he got coming back onto the pitch. Uh, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned that because we I think we do need to acknowledge Victor Vasquez Absolutely. is back and that's such a vibe. Um, such just a quickly, vibe. injury updates mm-hmm. for those that are wondering, those who missed it. Io Aquinola, it sounds like he's going to be back next week. Uh, Diamande is about a week or two away. So it's not mm-hmm. like a really serious injury. Lorenzo Insigne, there is a bit of gray area there with his injury. While Bob Bradley once again said he's going to be hopeful that Insigne mm-hmm. will be back next weekend. He wasn't making any promises. And he mentioned that they're going to have to potentially go for a second scan on Insigne's yeah, groin that, yeah. just to see what exactly is going on because there is still something there that's causing him pain that maybe the first scan didn't show. Um, but again, I preface that by saying Bob Bradley was hopeful that Insigne would be able to return uh, really soon. So that one's a concern. Mm-hmm. And then Ralph tried to left last game. It seemed like it was another soft tissue injury. Bob Bradley said all of them are different, but it is frustrating to have so many soft tissue injuries this early uh, in the season. Mm-hmm. Now, again, let's put uh, put Columbus in the rearview. Jeff, prior to Saturday's match against Columbus, mm-hmm. wasn't Insigne that was the biggest storyline. It wasn't the game, the home opener, that was the biggest storyline. The biggest storyline were, or was Michael Bradley's comments on <laughs> Toronto FC's <laughs> new home kit. Uh, so I was there. Um, mm-hmm. was I thought you asked the question. The question. By, no, he was asked just the question stir, by Neil Just Davis. to stir it up. Ah, no, Neil's, playing, the question. Neil's playing so Sing. Mm-hmm. I thought it's a fair question. I mean, you've seen a lot of the backlash uh, on mm-hmm. the jersey from throughout social media. Michael Bradley's response was that he really likes the jersey. He thinks it's a really, really nice kit. He thinks when fans see it, they will believe it's a really, really it's nice gorgeous. kit. It's, it's gorgeous. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing he left that off with was, but... He thinks the home kit should be all red. He thinks Toronto FC, the culture that they've created, that they want to create, he believes that it would be all red. Now, I'm not going to ask you for mm-hmm. your thoughts on that, on whether or not it should be all red or not. Mm-hmm. But I am curious, from your perspective, hearing the captain of Toronto FC say that before a game, whether or not you agree mm. with it or not, say it before the home opener. Love that, hate that, don't really care. What, what do you think? I'm kind of indifferent. I mean, to me, it's a bit of a nothing burger. Uh, you know, in a perfect world, yeah, it's red, but this is MLS. It's not a perfect world. I am privy to the details. I mean, I'm the guy that's been screaming for Onyx since 2015. So, and, and you know, just to give you a brief overview, the New York Red Bulls claimed Onyx. Uh, so it was a coup to get any Onyx on the kit. 
you know, I have better things to do than than lament. Listen, if I'm going to fight over something that they've taken away from me in terms of soccer, it's aggregate goals forever. I love aggregate math, right? Like this whole home kit should be team colors. I mean, there's an Arsenal kit that's coveted that's maroon, you know, the Highbury anniversary kit. Uh, I I tend to not think binary. I think it's a lovely kit. Um, it looks amazing out there. If you don't like it, you don't have to buy it. Um, I, you know, did did was it in the best interests of TFC's captain to slag the kit before a million people were about to potentially buy it? I'm sure not really. They were, um, were not happy about that one. Yeah, and and considering that Michael Bradley, I mean, we can we can spin our wheels on this forever. It it the more I think about it, like Michael Bradley is doesn't usually say something unless he wants to. You know what I mean? He can he can give you the cold shoulder on a question that he doesn't like. Why did he choose to say this? Like what 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 was important about picking this battle? It 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 doesn't I'm indifferent to it because I think it's forgotten already, but at the same time, was it necessary? I, you know, and I don't know. I think Michael Bradley is pretty honest. Like when, mm-hmm. from my experience talking to him, like he usually does speak his mind. There are certain things that, okay, yeah, he'll, he'll beat around the bush, but I have to give him credit that he isn't afraid to, to say what's on his mind for the most part. Um, so mm-hmm. he was asked the question about the kit and he gave his honest response. I think, doing that before a home opener where the kit's about to be unveiled. It's not following the corporate memo. That's for sure. That It's a bold move. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's a bold move. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't have it both ways, right? You can't yep. be mad at someone for being honest about what they like. And then you can't complain about it when someone gives you media fluff right you you can't have it both ways if you yeah yeah. you know there might be some things that he says that you don't like but you also have to appreciate that he is being straight up and being honest with you and there was a large portion of the fan base that absolutely obviously agreed with what michael said um and he actually for whatever he got a lot of love because of it whereas i could have seen it not from the front office or the marketing department definitely not right um yeah so i can see it through that line and we got to give you know ozo was asked the same question right afterwards i do imagine he was probably prepped a little bit uh for the question that was incoming Mm -hmm. but ozo said i think the thing we should focus on is that it's made by a fan and that it's has that connection to the club and he thinks that's what we should really focus on he thinks it's a beautiful thing federico bernardeschi gave the same answer right um now the kid itself like you know, it's not it's not my favorite TFC kit ever. It's one of mine. It's not it's not an ugly TFC kit by any means, but yeah, you know, probably would be better suited as the team's second kit in an ideal Dude, world. I I remember the 2019 kit that was basically a red T-shirt with a button on it, right? Right. Like in the authentic, in the in the in the in the replica, it was just a red T-shirt, and people were like, "That thing is blinding. You can see it from space. No one's ever going to be happy about anything." everybody's going to have a contrary opinion. You know, at the end of the day, when Michael Bradley gets asked, you know, is Lorenzo Insigne going to going to miss the season? He doesn't come out and say, well, you know, <laughs> honestly, blah, 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 blah. So why did he, you know, just... just so that's so, where you think... That's where you think I he should have just, I, I don't disagree. I just, I, I don't, I, I just don't see the merit in it. I mean, to, to earn brownie points with people, like, 
most of the people that agree with Michael Bradley also want him to be set on fire, right? It's the same hot take uh, intelligentsia that are like, what are we the greys? Like who cares? And then, and then, oh, well, you know, Michael Bradley's my captain. And then a, a, a second later, no, we need, you know, he's, he's slow and old. We should take him out of the back of the barn and shoot him. I don't understand the logic behind it. I still think it's a nothing burger. It's a kit. We win in it. It's legendary. We lose in it. It's in the bin. It is what it is. And I say this as a major, major fan of kit, of kit fashion. Um, yeah, you really, you really watered down kits, man. Come on. We, what, we what do, do you mean? article on kits, like the value yeah, of the yeah. kit. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's lovely. I, I mean, the fact that that no, I meant I'm not like even the, talk the whole about the, idea of a kit, like you said, whatever. It's just something you well, wear. Well, because because it's not it's not when because it's not a gray kit. There's red in it. Like there's massive amounts of red in it. So I think it's very disingenuous to say it's a it's an outright gray kit because it isn't. And I also think it's a bit, you know, I want my team to win. Uh, I, I, you know, and and they that it's a snazzy looking bit okay. of bit of fashion so let's win in that kit and and, and over and done <laughs> right. if you don't like it don't buy it i don't like the black and white harlequin kit i think it's atrocious you know what i mean but uh, you know Did i you know one? a lot of people like it no i actually didn't buy that one <laughs> but i will eventually when it's on DP you know style, what i actually probably. think the last mm. thing on kits you know what i think will go down as our nicest kit so far mm. on tfc history and it sucks because we didn't do anything in it really our last home kits, like with the, the uh, spotted black in it and the red. No, icon. we're the blacks. It's got to be red. There's too much black on it. I, like, uh, you know. I, I love I, that kit. Yeah. I love both 2013-2014 kits. The the red one with the all-over Canada flag, the home yeah, kit, yeah. that's like tighter than a sausage casing, is aesthetically beautiful. And the onyx is un, is – I mean, again – you're talking to a guy whose favorite TFC kit is black. So, you know, I, I just, I don't have a lot of time for the, we should be the Reds argument. Uh, but I, you know, people that do are allowed you to understand it. Though, yeah. Don't buy it. Yeah. Don't, yeah. I, I understand that. I think it's, I think it's, you know, of all the things to rage about with this team right now on, on our Lord's day uh, in March, the whatever, uh, uh, 2013, <laughs> it's the least of our worries, right? Like it really is kind of polishing deck tears on the Titanic. Like if Mark Anthony K can't string together a pass from midfield, I'm not complaining about his sartorial oh, choices. You know Mark what I mean? Kate catching a stray here during Jeff's. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. All right. So moving on, let's talk mm. about quickly, um, next weekend Inter Miami comes to town. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a little bit more of a home field advantage because Miami's probably not as used to the, the cold as maybe a team like Columbus would be. Um, Miami's had a really good start to the year, right? Two mm-hmm. wins from their first three matches. They beat CF Montreal in their season opener. That one was at home and once again played host to the Philadelphia Union, a team mm-hmm. we all had pegged. And I think a lot of us still have pegged as probably the best team in Major League Soccer. Yeah, they beat them 2-0 again. And then they went up to the baseball pitch. Our friends at NYCFC at Yankee Stadium, mm-hmm. and they lost 1-0. A uh, bit of a tight game, though, actually. So yeah, Inter-Miami is not going to be the same Inter-Miami team that we've seen come to BMO Field in recent mm-hmm. memories. How, how do you think TFC sizes up against Inter-Miami? I think it's important to preface that uh, what, what what Gregor is is yeah. potentially out 
that they're that really certainly important for player, next though. game. Um, and maybe they're talisman. Um, I'd feel a bit better about the game if Miami were coming in three and zero, undefeated with no losses. I think they're going to be desperate to get back on track. You know, they'll they'll coast. Like we're, we don't look like we're very competitive right now. So Inter Miami coming in off the back of being one of MLS's, you know, still shining undefeated teams, may not put. The, their foot so high on the gas and we may be able to exploit that but now they want to w- get back their mojo so i do feel that we're going to see a much more engaged team than maybe we should we would have seen if the opposite was true um you know people are saying uh miami will dust us like we did last year we haven't improved much and they have mike i've been wanting to ask you this question all all episode because you mm-hmm. know you work for major league soccer and you get to watch a lot of games Every team's kind of messy at the beginning of this year. Would you not agree? Nobody's really like, aside from LAFC who are surprising because everybody expected they would be, they would regress and they're sort of maintaining their form. I think everybody, every team's a bit messy. You know what I mean? Like Philly's kind of messy. Nobody, nobody's really come running out of the gates aside from St. Louis. Um, You know, that, that, that's proving all of the all, all of the preseason hype right like it's been kind of a messy first three match weeks you know i think that's fair i think that's fair to say like definitely the beginning of the season and this is true for every season is mm. it feels like teams are very much in still in preseason mode um yeah, and yeah. yeah obviously that's the case for tfc this year i will say there are a few teams who who look very good um nashville is mm-hmm. such a vibe uh, they're they're one of the funnest teams in major league soccer to watch and of course we got to give some love and a shout out to jacob schaffelberg scored another screamer for nashville yeah possibly an even better celebration uh yeah that's Sully, that like, team Sully was great mm. yeah they've had a couple of those like they they look like they're they're a really fun team to watch right now they're loving um, life yeah yeah the thing with with tfc like they have they come in and they want to play and instill a certain type of game. And it just hasn't, it hasn't worked out and it hasn't mm-hmm. looked like they're capable of playing that style of game. Does that mean that they won't turn things around and sharpen up? No, of course but it doesn't, you don't get a lot of hope from the first three TFC matches. Whereas I think when you look at other teams, you can point mm-hmm. out to sort of certain things that you saw things a lot longer, a lot bigger stretches than maybe, 45 minutes that you know you're you're happy with um Mm -hmm. you know there are seasons in the past for tfc that they didn't get off to a roaring start out of the gate and yet it still turned into a really nice i'm I'm remiss to compare it to that because this season is so front loaded but getting getting back to the inter miami thing what what do you i'm curious what do you think they're gonna they're gonna come to play do you think they're gonna come to play on on the weekend yeah for sure like they have some familiar faces, a guy, Rodolfo Pozzaro, who, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't really with them last season and has come back and he started, you know, he's, he's mixing it up with them. He's, he's, he's looking better than he's there. ever looked. He's cutting a, ma- a way better figure. You know, he was and like, he was, yeah. Joseph Martinez as well. Mm-hmm. But that team's a, a team while they have stars and they're going to keep shopping for stars. Um, they also have some depth as well on that team. They're they're a good football team. Phil Neville's got them. That he's managed to build off sort of their end to last season when they made that push into the playoffs and then went up to New York City FC and unfortunately they lost. But he's still, even though they've lost Gonzalo Higuain, 
that mm-hmm. that team is still very much clicking right now. And if they can get to the halfway point of the year, and if they can make some of the acquisitions that we hear <laughs> they're potentially going to make, and even if it's not mm-hmm. a Lionel Messi, you know that the Miami is going to go swinging with their ownership. They're going to bring in another yeah. absolute star to add into that mix. Um, they could be a team to watch. So I'm actually pretty happy TFC could- get them this early in the year. And, I, and I I'm happy that TFC get them off the back of, I mean, Ravi says it here. We have a big hole in the middle of the park that teams are dominating. Our attack is also non-existent at this point with injuries. Well, guess who else has a huge hole in their midfield right now? It's Inter-Miami and, and it's a fresh wound. So it, you know, it could be an opportunity for our midfield to start clicking, to take advantage of the disorganized chaos that they're dealing with, you know, maybe platooning some some bench warmer to to play their talismanic role. Um, I don't nice think it will be an easy it. game. I don't think it will be an easy game, but I do think that there are pain points, which is my new favorite word today, pain points. Uh, I do think that there are pain points in the Miami side that we can exploit that are almost tailor made for our for us for us to maybe surmount some of the weaknesses that we've been experiencing. So. Let's go. Yeah, we'll I mean, TFC yeah. has one win and five losses historically against Inter Miami. So they've mm-hmm. have been sort of a bogey team for for TFC, where they haven't quite been able to solve whatever it is that Phil Neville has throwing at them. Uh, I know mm-hmm. tough those some couple of those games were late last season, a couple of tough losses, and you know a couple of tough ways. Um, yeah. So I guess we'll see exactly how this one plays out. And I will mm-hmm. ask you, I'll leave you with this. Federico Bernadeschi mm-hmm. was kind of posed the question after the game, what will this team look forward to working on after, you know, coming off the backs of two back-to-back draws? He came out and said, we need to win. We need three yeah. points. Yeah. Are you there yet with this TFC team? Someone, I mean, uh, uh, there's, a guy, there's a guy that asks us on the, on the TTID Twitter all the time, is it time to oh. push the panic button? And like, listen, mathematically it isn't. Uh, for every other reason, I think it. I think this is a must-win. Um, you know, let's let's make Federico happy. Let's make the fan base a little less. Uh, uh, let's take the temperature down, generally with the fan base. Um, let's you know, Inter Miami is 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 in the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference standings as they are right now. So let's bring them back down to our level. So we you know we we have more of a an easy thing to climb. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, must win. The world is still going to spin on its axis and I'm still going to wake up, you know, with a smile <laughs> on Sunday if they lose, right? I'm, I'm going to be bummed, but the world will still spin on its axis. So, you know, by, by that metric, it's not a must win, um, but it's damn close. It's damn close. And I, I would say I could easily be convinced that it, that it is. Um, just, it's not, just not for the like you said. It's not from a results perspective. Like numbers mm-hmm. wise, TFC are very much into this game, but you don't want to go down this hill, this slippery slope where Federico Bernardeschi is getting frustrated for and making another round of comments at, at a press conference. And you know, Michael Bradley decides now he's going to complain about the socks or whatever, right? Like it's, it's <laughs> but but it is like I'd rather you know Mike Mike said it best on the Tunnel Club when he was wrapping up the Tunnel Club last night or, or two nights ago, and he said. We hate doing shows like this. We hate it. We, you know, we mm-hmm. don't want to keep doing shows. Like I hated writing in 2018. Like every week, my article for WTR was like, "What's wrong with TFC?" We don't enjoy doing this. You know what I mean? Um, 
so winning changes everything. It changes the narrative. It resets. It resets all of our internal internal energy, and we start talking about different things. and And I think that's why this is so important because we talk to death about this. Like everybody and their mother knows how slow our midfield is. Everybody and their mother knows our slow starts and the fact that we can't close out games. We need to change that narrative. And to me, the only thing that changes it is is winning. And then we can talk about the next step of things. But we're like stuck in this purgatory right now. And you can see it, the socks are pretty ugly too. Nice axis. <laughs> um, but we can see it starting to faster. So so that's the solution. You know, it's not about moral victories. It's about victory victories. So so in that regard, I, I, I do think it's an important. Well, there you go. The vibes, I think, need to be improved around yeah. Toronto FC. And as Jeff's pointed out eloquently, the best way to do that is to win. I think that's a that's a good way to, to wrap. This oh, we're episode, going under think, it. Yeah, because we didn't actually Unless ask you have the anything question. Else? Well, we never actually tweeted out the burning question, which is how cold were you during the TFC home opener? And sure my answer was, was, was very. <laughs> Um, I don't think it's the coldest BMO's ever been. I remember no, CCL, CCL Colorado was was unbelievable, and it might be this final. Yo, really cool. yeah, but that was like freezing rain. It was ouch. Um, but there was one game, and it might have been the same game, the Colorado game that I remember. I was up on the two hundred level visiting people. And I could feel the cold coming up the concrete into my shoes, just freezing every bone in my body. It was, and then that that game, the the uh, Can Champ game, in the with the sideways Glaswegian rain oh, against, against York, uh, yeah, it was was really really cold. And uh, Axis, wow, you reminded me, the game against Tigris was also really cold. Happy five year anniversary to the Seba free kick at El Volcan, uh, oh. Colazzo. Golazo, my favorite <laughs> Spanish commentary ever. The first Golazo, he was like embarrassed. He's just like, did he just do that to to my Tigres? Like Golazo, and then he just had to just had to celebrate how how ridiculous that kick was. And then also egging the crowd on, like, oh no, no, no! It's just it's a classic, classic TFC moment. So happy five year anniversary to that. Um, remembering the good times. Uh, yeah, I, it was cold. I think it's going to be cold this weekend too. Uh, it's cold. Shout out to the fans. <laughs> shout out yeah, to the fans. Fan. I, I know, I know, we gave them some love earlier, but the, f- the fact that a lot of the guys who were out there um, embracing that cold weather—that I thought that mm-hmm. was pretty special to see. Um, so, shout yeah. out to the fans. You guys are troopers. Shout out to our listeners. You guys are troopers. We see you guys always in the comments. We got to give you guys some more love. Um, you guys are amazing, and you honestly make the show so much better. So, thank you to listen for listening to another episode mm-hmm. of Toronto Till I Die. We will be back next Monday evening, and we'll, we'll be recapping, hopefully, a better result against Inter-Miami. Now, I don't know what Mike Newell and Sean Levy's plans are for the Tunnel Club, but keep it locked. It'll, we'll have it'll, updates it'll on be the day media. after. I imagine that game. they're going to do yeah, something yeah. the day after, so keep it locked. Yeah. That. That's always a, a fun show to tune into to get some immediate reaction, some raw reaction to mm-hmm. what, again, hopefully be a, a show that's on a, a more positive note. So please, guys, help us out. It does actually really help us out. If you like, subscribe, and review Toronto Till I Die, wherever you watch or listen to the show, 
Just search Toronto Till I Dying. You'll find us on most major platforms, obviously Spotify, Apple Podcasts. What, what, what are the platforms that don't carry us? I'm going to write them a strongly worded letter. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I think, I think we're nice to all platforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those of you yeah. that watch on YouTube, we appreciate you guys. Uh, honestly, we appreciate so you so much. much. I, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 I love, I love being challenged on my opinions because oh, I'll be the first one to give them up. I'll be the first <laughs> one to give them up if I, if I, if something better comes along. And, and I, I think, uh, I think we, uh, I think we all need to take a, a deep breath because it is, it's, it's, it's annoying. Nobody wanted to be here in TFC land and the, and the temptation to just, to just go full scorched earth. I feel it too. I feel it too. It, it, it sucks, you know, but you have, you know, this may be as bad as it's going to suck, hopefully. And it's just onward and upward from here, right? This may be hopefully, hopefully. the, last, the, last, the hopefully. last bit of the cocoon before we emerge as a beautiful butterfly and, and take the take the league by storm, you know? <laughs> All right. Well, for shout out Mike Newell, I hope you feel better. For Mike Newell, for Jeffrey P. Nasker, I'm Michael Singh, <laughs> and we will see you all next week. Thanks for watching. And wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die.